you have the chance to win a Spring Super Sweeps from LAist. Donate $60 for one entry to win a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Check out all the other prizes too when you donate now at laist.com sweeps. Hi, this is Larry Mantle, host of Air Talk on KPCC. Since the start of the coronavirus pandemic, we've had a daily segment on Air Talk devoted to the latest information about COVID-19. As time's gone on, we've looked at vaccines and how the virus and pandemic have affected the lives of Southern Californians. That includes doctors, nurses, epidemiologists, and other medical professionals fighting the virus on the front lines. In each episode, of this podcast, we'll speak with one of our experts on the rotating panel of AirTalk guests who will be sharing their expertise with us daily. You can also listen anytime at las.com, kpecc.org, or subscribe wherever you download podcasts. Omicron. Omicron and Omicron. No doubt you have heard all about it this morning on NPR and all weekend for that matter. There are a lot of questions about how protected we are and if you've been vaccinated or boosted, what that means and with a potential wave, what that could mean for holiday parties. So without wasting any time, we're going to get you some answers. Dr. Timothy Brewer is here. He is an epidemiologist and a professor of medicine at UCLA's School of Public Health. And since this is Air Talk, this is the place where we take your calls. So if you have questions for the doctor, the doctor is in and we have an open line. 866-893-5722. Again, that's 866-893-5722. You can also tweet us at AirTalk, leave a comment on the Facebook page, or email us atcomments at kpcc.org. Just be sure to tell us where you are because, you know, we like to know. Dr. Brewer, thanks so much for making the time. Thank you very much for having me. Well, like I said, Dr. Omicron, top of mind for a lot of people, specifically vaccinated people, a lot of them too. So let's start with a report from vaccine maker Moderna. They're now saying that a third booster seems pretty effective against the variant. What do we know about that so far? So all we know so far, Austin, is that if you look in the laboratory, and this is done with small numbers of people, if you take people who were vaccinated but not boosted, then their level of neutralizing antibody against Omicron was lower than what it was against Delta or Alpha and some of the earlier variants. If you then boost people and repeat those tests in the laboratory, you see a higher level of neutralizing antibody. And those antibodies seem to cover a broader range of variants, including Omicron. So limited data from the laboratory, but again, looking very promising that the more you stimulate the immune system, the better the response across a range of variants, including Omicron. That's what's really interesting about this is that the booster, what I'm seeing here in the report, is that it's about uh, 37 times uh, more powerful than pre-boost levels. But then it goes up even more uh, the more that you get. Do you feel like, at least in the short term, uh, the answer to some of our, our woes here might just be, you know, boosters or maybe even considering bigger boosters. So boostering is clearly 
the most important thing after vaccination. So if you haven't been vaccinated, please do go get vaccinated. And if you have been vaccinated and you're eligible for a booster, please get a booster. When you look at the data out of Israel, even in the short term, there was a 90% reduction in mortality among people over the age of 50 who had been boosted relative to people who have been vaccinated but not boosted remembering that mortality was very low in in both groups. The vaccines do work well, but the boosters definitely help. Uh, Tony in Echo Park, he messaged us and he says, Dr. Fauci says that Omicron is extraordinary. What really sets it apart from the other variants? So I'm wondering two things. In your uh, professional opinion, would you call this extraordinary? And what is it that really sets it apart from the previous uh, variants that we've seen? Um, no, I would say the virus is just doing what viruses do. It's doing its so, thing. Uh, okay. It's doing its thing. That's exactly right. So we know that uh, RNA viruses like Omicron make mistakes when they replicate. Uh, if those mistakes get incorporated into the genome, and those can be mutations, they can be deletions, and they confer an advantage to the virus, then that often becomes fixed, and that becomes the new strain of the virus that circulates. Um, So this is just SARS-CoV-2 being allowed to continue to replicate and, and change over time. And what we're seeing with Omicron is sort of the natural evolution of the virus. So I wouldn't call that extraordinary. We are talking to Dr. Timothy Brewer at UCLA. If you have a question for the doctor, we have a line open just for you, 866-893-5722, 866-893-5722. You can also tweet us at Airtalk or leave a comment on the Facebook page. I'm sure a lot of people are going to be wondering about uh, what Omicron could mean for their holiday gatherings, and I'm going to ask you about that in just a second, doctor. But One of the more troubling headlines that I saw this weekend, and so I was really excited to talk to you about this, um, is that many of the world's vaccines may be pretty ineffective against Omicron. And that has me concerned mainly for the low-income sector, people who are either unvaccinated or who got the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. Um, How protected are people who maybe got just one dose of the Johnson & Johnson and would a, a booster or, I don't know, two help them out? So I I would definitely get a booster if you got one dose of Johnson & Johnson, and I would recommend getting a booster with an mRNA vaccine, so either the Pfizer or the Moderna vaccine. While there are better data out of the UK with the combination of the AstraZeneca adeno-based virus vaccine and Pfizer, There are limited data to show that if you get an mRNA vaccination after Johnson & Johnson, you have a level of protection that's very similar to two doses of an mRNA vaccine. So I I would definitely recommend a booster, and I would boost not with a second Johnson & Johnson, but preferentially with an mRNA vaccine. Considering that a lot of our outreach uh, maybe got Johnson & Johnson into people's arms earlier this year. Do you think that there's more outreach now needed to bring those same people back and to say, hey, this this isn't enough to cover you? 
hopefully everybody is getting the message that uh, if you're vaccinated, you should get a booster. And right now, about 32 percent of people who have been vaccinated in the United States have had a booster. So while that's a good start, we need to get that number much higher up. We also have to recognize that only about 62 percent of the population in the U.S. has been vaccinated. So there's still a big chunk out there that haven't gotten any doses at all. And we really need to convince those individuals to get vaccinated, not only to protect themselves, but to protect their loved ones and people around them. And I think I should mention, too, even with the vaccination numbers we have in America, vaccination numbers globally uh, still pretty low. And that's where we see the variants coming in. That's where we see them coming from. Are we just going to be in this, I don't know, I want to say cat and mouse game, but are we just going to be trying to stay a step ahead of the coronavirus until we can get more shots and arms around the world? So you're, you're exactly right. The WH estimates that it's about 3.5 billion people have been fully vaccinated around the world. That's out of a population of approximately 8 billion, but that's very heavily skewed so that most high-income countries in North America and Europe, for example, the vaccination rates are 60, 70 percent or higher. And there are a number of countries, particularly in sub-Saharan Africa, where those rates are under 25 percent, under 10 percent, and unfortunately, in some countries, even under 1 percent. We're talking with Dr. Timothy Brewer, epidemiologist and professor of medicine at UCLA's School of Public Health. And if you have a question for the doctor, we have a line open for you right now, 866-893-5722. Again, that's 866-893-5722. I'm going to ask the doctor about your holiday gatherings, but if you have a specific question uh, that you would like to know about before you embark on your trip. We're here for you. 866-893-5722. Tweet us at Airtalk, comment Facebook page, or comments at kpcc.org. Well, let's get to the meat of it, doctor, because a lot of people have plans uh, over the next few weeks. Uh, and if you're anything like me, you've maybe thought twice about going places just even over the past uh, few weekends. Uh, and I remember reading something about a study out of Norway that showed at one party, about over 100 people, just over 100 people were there. There was an outbreak of COVID, 80 of them, eight zero of them ended up uh, testing positive. So I'm just kind of curious off the bat, is this really about how much risk people and their families are willing to take at this point? So it's certainly about risk and it's also about probabilities, right? So... This was an indoor gathering. It was a lot of people. They were in a confined space for a prolonged period of time. So that's going to facilitate transmission. So the kinds of things that are going to increase risk are increasing the number of people that are present, putting them inside instead of outside, not wearing masks, not being vaccinated, and spending more time together. Likewise, the things that will decrease risk are meeting outside, maintaining physical distancing, do not go if you are ill. So that's that's really important. If you're not feeling well, please stay home. Get vaccinated if you haven't been vaccinated. Get boosted if you have been boosted. Wear your mask when you're indoors, particularly in public spaces. Try to maintain good hand hygiene. All those things are going to reduce your risk of transmission. 
about the combination of those things that reduces that risk. Um, I'm kind of wondering when it comes to testing, though, you know, what role does testing play in the safety of an event? And how often should we be getting tested? Should we maybe be doing it ahead of these gatherings? So testing is one more step, right? So it's one more piece of information. Certainly, if you did test and tested positive, you should be isolating yourself and you should not be going out and going to gatherings, remembering Tests can be wrong in either direction. So you can have false positives and false negatives. But in general, the tests are very good. And so that's one more piece of information. It would be reasonable to test before you go, um, similar to what Hawaii was doing and screening people before you could go to Hawaii. But I don't think repeated tests make, make sense. So, for example, I wouldn't bother testing before I got on a plane and after I got off a plane, just because I'm unlikely to get anything different. It takes about two days for the level of the virus to get high enough to turn a test positive. So testing before and after a, a two-hour plane flight, for example, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. We're talking with Dr. Timothy Brewer, epidemiologist and professor of medicine at UCLA's School of Public health. I want to get in a question from Alexandria in Marina Del Rey. She says, my husband and I are both fully vaccinated and boosted and we recovered from COVID recently. How protected are we from COVID at this point? So a recent COVID case for uh, Alexandria and her husband. So Alexandria and her husband probably have the highest level of immunity that you that you can have. So there are data to show that people who have been previously infected with SARS-CoV-2 and then get vaccinated actually get higher levels of immune response and broader immune responses than individuals who've only been infected or only vaccinated. So even if you have been infected and you have natural immunity, Get vaccinated on top of that if you have not already, because the data show that the vaccines will give you a broader and higher immune response. Anna from L.A. says her husband just got COVID last week, and she'd like to know how many precautions she needs to take because uh, she and her infant son have not yet contracted it. Uh, She's also vaccinated and boosted. What should you do when you're in the home with somebody who's tested positive, especially with a kid? So someone who's tested positive ideally is staying in isolation for at least 10 days from the time they tested positive, assuming they're asymptomatic. If they actually have symptoms, then it's going to be for a minimum of 10 days, but until their symptoms are better and they're afebrile, no fever at all, off all kinds of medicines like aspirin, Tylenol, and things like that. So what What Anna should be doing is trying to stay at least six feet away. Ideally, her husband is staying in a separate room for those 10 days and keeping the infant away, using a separate bathroom as much as possible. When her husband is out of the room, he should be wearing a face mask. Anna should be wearing a mask as well. That will help. So keeping that physical distance, wearing the mask, making sure he's staying in isolation for at least 10 days, good hand hygiene, all of those will reduce the risk of transmission in the house. Thank you for explaining that, Dr. Anna. I know it's got to be a challenge with the holidays around and then your husband. 
uh, in the same space as you, you can't really interact with them. That's got to be very difficult. So we're thinking of you, Anna, out there. We actually have a few questions about boosters before we go to the break, Doctor. Uh, one person, of course, asked something that we spoke about earlier, which was if you've had the J&J booster, uh, should you be getting an mRNA vaccine? And the short answer to that one is yes. But there's also a question from uh, Jessica in La Cunata, Flint Ridge. Uh, if you've had the J&J vaccine, then a Moderna booster should you get a second booster? So a booster for your booster. Doctor, what do you think? So no data. Hard, hard to know how to answer that in the absent, uh, absence of data. What we do know is that the mRNA vaccines gave a very good response after the, after the J&J. I think at this point, if it's been under six months since you had the mRNA, I probably would not get a, a third vaccine, but we really need to wait to get more data to see what happens after you combine an adenovirus vaccine with an mRNA vaccine to see how long that protection lasts. Well, right now we have Marianne on the line. Marianne is in Redondo Beach. Uh, Marianne, what do you got for us today? Well, I got the Pfizer right away in January, and I got about 10 hives in various parts of my body. Hmm. My epidemiologist at UCLA said, oh, you shouldn't get the second Pfizer. Well, wait for the Johnson & Johnson. So at the end of March, March 31st, I got my first Johnson & Johnson. And then a while ago, I was able to get the Johnson & Johnson booster. Now I'm 70, and I'm wondering, should I risk getting the Pfizer again if it's better, you know, uh, safety against the Omicron? Dr. Timothy Brewer, I'll add to Marianne's question that I've heard a variation of this from several people who maybe had some uh, some averse reactions to the mRNA vaccines. What should Marianne do, doctor? So, so Marianne, um, if you have any questions, the best thing to do is talk about it with your healthcare provider who knows all about your medical history and what happened with the first shot. But speaking generally, I'm not aware of any comparative data across the different vaccines in terms of their effectiveness against Omicron. So I'm not aware of any evidence that one vaccine is better or worse than another. Um, you have now achieved what the CDC and the FDA recommend in terms of vaccination and being boostering. So no evidence to say you need additional shots at this time. Uh, but if you have any specific questions, I, I think sitting down with your doctor and talking them through would make a, make a lot of sense. But no evidence to say you need an additional vaccine right now, or that your combination is, Henry, better or worse than what others have gotten. That was Mariana Redondo Beach. Marianne, I hope that that gives you a good enough answer to your question here. And we have a question from Marjorie in Pasadena. And before I ask it, I have to hand it to Marjorie because it's very difficult to tell people, I would imagine today, it's very difficult to tell people that you have not yet been vaccinated uh, because, you know, they're, they're, it's an emotional conversation these days. And if you tell somebody that, uh, you might not be welcome at their party or even in the room uh, where you're standing. But Marjorie from Pasadena says, I'm not vaccinated. Can the doctor explain to me how I'm a danger to others who are vaccinated and even boosted, especially if I'm six feet away, take vitamins and avoid crowds? I think all of us might have a family member 
who falls under the Marjorie category to begin with. So, doctor, what would you say to Marjorie? Not vaccinated, but maybe taking some other precautions as well as vitamins and avoiding crowds. Uh, sure. It, sure. Yeah. So, so Marjorie, the the big issue is being unvaccinated. You're just more likely to become infected with SARS-CoV-2 if you're exposed. Um, you're more likely to become symptomatic if you become infected. You're more likely to be hospitalized, and you're more likely to die from COVID. So there are two risks. One is the risk to yourself. And uh, to put that in perspective, if you look at the country as a whole, you're about five times more likely to become infected with COVID. You're about 14 times more likely to to be hospitalized and die from COVID than someone who's been vaccinated. Compared to somebody who's been boosted, you're 10 times more likely to become infected and you're about 20 times more likely to die. Because you're 10 times more likely to be infected, that means you're 10 times more likely to spread it to to someone else. And we know that breakthrough infections can occur in vaccinated people, including people who've been boosted. While it's low, it's not zero. And so because you're more likely to become infected, you're more likely to transmit it to to others. So getting vaccinated will not only protect you, but it will protect people around you as well. And Marjorie, I just want to thank you again for even listening uh, to this conversation with the doctor, because a lot of the conversation is about vaccines. If you have concerns or fears still about the vaccine and you would like some answers, you or anybody else can give us a call. Clearly, Dr. Brewer is a great guy to talk to. He's a nice guy. He's not condemning you. He's just giving you the information and the facts so you can make an informed decision. You can give us a call at 866-893-5722. I really mean that. 866-893-5722. If you have a question or concern, if you're hesitant, come on in. We're going to have a conversation about this. We have Stephen in Silver Lake. Uh, and Stephen, I guess I owe you a congratulations first, but I want to get you to get your question out there. So Stephen, uh, what's your concern right now? My wife and I just found out that she's pregnant with our second a week ago. So she's really early in her pregnancy. We're both uh, vaxxed uh, with Moderna, but we have not gotten boosted yet. Um, and I'm actually on my way to get boosted right now. But she, we were just wondering if what the data show about getting uh, boosted this early in her pregnancy and we're also concerned about her maybe getting a fever as part of her reaction. And we, you know, we just read that having a fever just in general is bad during pregnancy. Um, but yeah, I just was curious what, um, what the doctor had to say about uh, the situation that we're in. Dr. Brewer? Sure. So before I do that, I, I want to jump back to the, the previous caller and to anyone who is not vaccinated. Um, Terrific to call in to the radio station, but if you have any concerns about the vaccines, please reach out to your health care provider, to the county public health department. There are lots of great resources where you can sit down and talk with someone and and kind of work through what those those concerns might be in addition to calling into a, a radio station. Um, in terms of Pregnancy, first off, congratulations. Very exciting. Um, 
that you're pregnant and hopefully that will all go well. Also, thank you very much for for being vaccinated. Uh, pregnant women are at increased risk, not only for hospitalization and death from COVID-19, but also for preterm delivery. Um, if you have any concerns at all about getting the booster, um, talk them over with your OBGYN doctor, but these are non-replicating vaccines. They do not integrate into the genome at all. Um, as best can be tell in surveys done by the CDC, there is no increased risk in the pregnancy to, to getting vaccinated. In fact, as I mentioned, the vaccines do protect you. Um, so if your wife is due for a booster, um, talk it over to your OBGYN, but it'll probably be to her advantage to get to get the booster. Fevers occur in about 20 to 40 percent of people. Um, this is an immunologic reaction, should not pose any risk in the pregnancy. But again, discussing it with her OBGYN doc would definitely be the, the way to go. That was a question from Stephen. And uh, my congratulations as well, Stephen. And thanks so much for giving us a call. We have a call right now from Anna in Brentwood. Anna, what's your question for the doctor? Hi, the question is, my daughter is 20 years old and she had two doses of Pfizer about six months ago. She had really bad reaction of tinnitus, especially after the second dose. It was rather severe and it's just getting better. Would you recommend her, you know, sticking with Pfizer, getting, you know, booster or switching to J&J, which is less effective, of course? Dr. Brewer? So uh, hard to know quite what that was and whether or not that was from the vaccine or not. I, I think the best thing to do would be for her to talk with her her doctor as to why why that might have happened and whether there was some underlying medical problem that might have con- contributed to that. In general, if I were going to switch, I would probably switch to Moderna rather than, than J&J. Um, the formulations are different. Um, the the background components of the vaccine are different. So if she was reacting to something within the the Pfizer vaccine, it may be that she would not react to, to the Moderna vaccine. So not knowing her medical history, I, I would lean more towards using Moderna rather than, rather than J&J, particularly in a, a young woman where um, they're at highest risk for the blood clotting effects that have been rarely report, reported with uh, adenovirus-based vaccine. So I'd probably stick away from J&J and, and go more towards using the other mRNA vaccine. Thank you so much for giving us a call there, Anna and Brentwood. Kaylee in Manhattan Beach has a question, and she's asking about whether the Omicron variant is potentially a way out of the pandemic because she's heard experts say that the way out is for a virus to mutate into something more similar to a common cold. Is that where we're heading? What do you think, doctor? So hard to know at this point. There are reports out of South Africa suggesting that there have been fewer hospitalizations associated with Omicron compared with beta and some of the other variants that were heavily represented in in South Africa before, but I haven't seen any actual data yet. Um, I think what we know from reports in Europe where Omicron is unfortunately really taking off is it certainly can cause serious disease, including hospitalization and death. So 
I would not assume that this is a totally benign variant of SARS-CoV-2 yet at this point. We have a question from Melissa in Highland Park, and she says, our son has two doses of Pfizer and is due for a booster, but just got COVID. When should he get the booster or should he just ride this natural immunity out uh, and just get it as soon as possible? So uh, we do not recommend that people get vaccinated while they're sick. So we usually recommend that people completely recover from from. SARS-CoV-2, very important. Before, before they get vaccination, but the recommendation is to still get vaccinated and get your booster, even if you've had infection. Though, as we've talked about, it's likely that combination gives you the broadest base in terms of immune response. So, I would wait till he is all better, and then. You know, any time after that, if he's due for his post booster, would be fine. We have a question from Steve in Rosemead, and I'm only asking it because I think that it's been, uh, in some ways, this sort of side effect or this reported side effect I know has uh, affected whether or not uh, certain men choose uh, to get uh, vaccinated against coronavirus. And I'm sure you've heard about this too, doctor, so I'll just put it out there. But Steve in Rosemead says that, He got his two shots in April and May, but he's concerned about getting a booster because since roughly June or July, he has not been able to get uh, an erection and he's not sure if the two are correlated. Is this something that you've heard about, doctor? So so I've heard it discussed in the media. I've I've not seen any data to to support that. what you need to remember is this is a vaccine that has been given to uh, about 204 million people in this country. The, the vast majority of that has been mRNA-based vaccines, over 80%. Um, as I mentioned earlier, about 3.4 billion people worldwide. These are incredibly well-studied vaccines. Um, Rare side effects, including blood clots and and myocarditis, have been detected. But uh, I have not seen any official reports either out of the CDC or WHO to suggest there's a a relationship between vaccination and erectile dysfunction. So, Steve, I definitely hope that you talk to your primary care doctor uh, about what you're experiencing, and hopefully you can get some answers to that. And, doctor, before I let you go, um, because I think I speak for all weary SoCal peeps when I say this has been going on for short of two years. When's it going to end? What's our way out of this? And does it include some form of dialing back how much we leave our homes, at least in the short term? So uh, I think we need to realize that this virus is not going away, right? So it has adapted extremely well for human-to-human transmission. And so what we need to do is we need to learn how to live our lives with this virus in a way where we feel comfortable and do everything we can protect ourselves and others. So so it's not a question of hunkering down and waiting for this to go away. It's it's not going to go away. It's a question of how do we protect ourselves and everyone around us to the extent that we can and get on with our our lives and not let this virus 
control our lives. Amen to that. Dr. Timothy Brewer, let me just say, when I listen to you with Larry all the time, I'm like, he seems like a really cool guy, and I'm so thankful that he's peeling out the time uh, to serve the community in this way and telling us answers to our burning questions. So, Doctor, thank you so much for coming on Air Talk, and I look forward to when we can have you back again. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of COVID in LA. If you'd like to stay up to date with the latest coronavirus news, you can listen anytime at las.com, at kpecc.org, or subscribe wherever you download podcasts. See you next time and stay safe. I'm Larry Mantle. This program is made possible in part by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, a private corporation funded by the American people.